Welcome to another episode of the Welding Business Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, with JMW Fabrication. Today, we've got episode number four with Daniel Perea from Apex Welding Solutions. In this episode, we talk all about the importance and what it's like to hire the right guys to get on your team. If you're looking to make your first hire or add people to your team, this is going to be an episode you don't want to miss. If you want to check out what Daniel actually does, find him on Instagram at Daniel underscore Apex Welding. You can find me at JMW Fabrication. Find the podcast at Welding Business Owners Podcast. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. You know, and if I have, like right now, I have another guy working. He's a great guy. I have a lot of high hopes for him. He's young. He's a 20, 24-year-old guy. He's been welding since he's 18 years old. He loves working. He shows up on time. He's smart. But he's green. Like, he, he's welded a lot, like x-ray pipe at a shop. But he's never welded off a 60-foot basket with 7018, and it has to be inspectable. Like, <laughs> it's 60 mile an hour, you know, you're 60 feet up in the air, and, like, a 10-mile-an-hour breeze is, like, kicking you two feet back and forth, you know? And, and you're in a harness, and you're like, this harness is going to save me if I fall out of this basket. I'm just going to die, you know? And then, I'm like, so he can make a good weld sitting at a bench, but then, like, he doesn't know how to lay stuff out. So we want to develop him. Uh, into a leader, but he's still just a kid. Uh, you know, he, he's still a kid. Uh, and so, how do we how do we develop those people? How do we attract and retain high quality individuals uh, to a company that's relatively new and does terrible things? Like we're all like our jobs are awful. Like when everybody wants to go inside is when we go outside. Uh, when every like okay, do this complicated construction process in the middle of a pit mine in the winter with guys you've never met before with used material like (laughs) (laughs) and like what do you want us to do like it's the worst parts of all of the welding trades like in one job we're doing like the job we're on right now so we tore down an asphalt and it was an existing asphalt plant. We tore it down to nothing. Then we dug the floaters, poured the concrete, reset the... And so we took a used concrete plant and retrofitted it to the existing location. So we refurbished the tube. Now we set this thing in there. Now we have to re, we have to build all new conveyors using existing old conveyors. We've got to rebuild them. Then we have to set them in place. Then we have to build all new hoppers to get from conveyor to Waybridge, from conveyor to screen. We have to build all the new screen towers. We have to build all the handrail. We have to build all the steps. We have to reline everything that needs to be relined. We we have to do all the plumbing for it. Uh, We have electricians doing the electrical, which we could do if if they wanted us to do it. Um, we, We have to weld pipe. We have to weld structural. We have to weld handrail. We're up in the air. We're, we're on the ground. We're underground. We're pouring concrete. Like, okay, come be a welder. <laughs> How do I attract and retain high-quality people to this? <laughs> awesome. You want to be a welder, sit in a shop? That's awesome. And I wish you the best. But that's not what we yep. do here. So I'm looking at guys who are starting from scratch. I got to build these guys. I have to invent. I have to attract character, not talent, not skills. 
Yeah. I have to attract character, people who are honest, people who have integrity, who have work ethic, because I don't have the time to train you to find work, to pick up work. I can't train you to do that, but I can train you to weld. I can train you to lay out. I can train you to run a torch. I can train you to run a saw. I can train all those things if you have the character that's worth training. Um, and then the trouble comes. I'm training you to run your own business, to be your own boss, to run your own business. So now I have to treat you well enough that you want to stay with me. And that's that's the trick. And I love it. It's It's a challenge. And I want to meet that challenge because the guys who can work for themselves but choose to work for a guy like me because I make their life better are awesome. They're the people I want to be around. So, so that's, that's where what, we're winding up. What's your thought on hiring guys who do have the experience to do that? Um, you better, 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 better have more character. Like I'm all about hiring for character. Like the guy that I have, uh, Tim, who has welding experience. Um, he has no welding experience in the world we're in, but he is a good welder. And I hired him not because of he had, I didn't even give him weld test. He told me where he worked, how long he worked there. I know the places that he worked. I know the guys that worked there. And they said, it's a, it's a shop that builds oil field tools and everything that comes out of their shops, hundred percent x-ray. So he tigs root and flux core out pipe all day in position and he has x-ray quality standard to me he had 38 3800 welds he had 40 busted in his time there so i know he can you can set a standard and he'll meet it i asked if he was late to work and they were like nope you're perfect you're the character i want you work hard you do what you're told you think on your feet and you have the ability to meet a standard. And that's all you really need because we can, we'll train you to our standard. Um, and so if you have experience, um, that's great, but you better be teachable because you have experience in your world and this is not your world anymore. If you're proud, if you're bullheaded, stubborn, that's, that's fine characteristics. You're just not going to make it here. And that's that. Like you're just not going to make it in this environment because you and and then once you get in, then there's a give and take. I want you to be bullheaded. I want you to be stubborn. I want you to stick to your guns because I don't know everything. I want you to have an idea. Like look at the process, come up with a solution, and then we'll talk about it. Because and this is a Jocko lesson. Like my idea might be ninety percent the best lesson, the best uh, idea. Your idea might be 85%. I'm going to give you the opportunity to take your idea and move forward with it because you know where we're getting to. So you want to go up and over and weld from the top down. Cool. I know it's better to weld from the bottom up. I know it's better to start here and work in a circle, right? But you're, you you want to go the way you want to go. So I'm going to empower you to go the way you want to go. Because if I make you do what I want you to do, if you stub your toe, if you run out of welding rod, you're going to quit because it's my idea. It's my plan. If I give you the tools and the freedom to do it your way, you'll overcome every obstacle and solve every problem because it's all on you. Yep. That's what happens when you hire character as opposed to skill set. Um, so that's that's the way I try to do it. It's really good. 
So what do you think has been one of the biggest obstacles for you to learn in business? Me personally? Yeah. Um, that I don't have to do it all on my own. Yeah. That, that, um, and again, this might get like, like I just don't have a chill button, I guess. Um, I don't have to do it all on my own. And just because I don't feel good enough to do it doesn't mean I'm not good enough to do it. I And I think a lot of us that wind up in the position we're in, that wind up in the trades, we have a lot of trauma that's happened to us or done. Like, I can think back. My first dead body I saw was at 14 years old. Like, I've seen guys cut their hands off at work before. I've almost died more times than I could count on a job site. Like we've seen a lot of stuff and done a lot of stuff and I just don't feel adequate. I feel lonely and all that stuff and coming to the realization that it's okay not to feel like you got it all together. I don't have to know everything. I don't have to do it on my own. I don't have to be alone. I can ask for help. I can receive help. I can, I can build a team. Like that's been the biggest lesson, the biggest hurdle to overcome is that, uh, like, even though I, I feel in my heart that I'm not good enough to, to run my own business, I'm not good enough to be my own boss, I am good. Like, I'm good enough. And, and I've learned that just, like, looking around at the world. Dude, there are people who suck at what we do. They're, they know they're terrible at it. They don't want to get better. And they aren't going to get better. And they make a living. And here I am, like... I still have dreams about the first wellhead I ever welded on 10 years ago. Like I, I have dreams about, it. I think about it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, is that going to ever blow off on and kill somebody? I think about all that stuff in the past. I think about the first time I had to overhead weld in the field and it was a hinge on a, uh, it was a hinge on a flare stack on a drill rig and it was, it was the first time i had to overhead weld stick on my own and i'm like i think i'm sucking at this right now <laughs> and i still think about it i'm like did i really suck that day no i didn't it was fine it worked it's still there but i feel all that weight i feel all that pressure and the obstacle for me in business is to know that's my part of myself and to keep moving forward anyway and to get the people around me that can help me in the places that I actually am not that good. And, and my wife has helped me with that a lot. Like I'll build something in the shop. I'll build a guy, a, a, something beautiful. And all I can see are the problems in it. Yeah. How this doesn't fit right. How this hinge isn't lined up correctly. How the weld that's underneath that plate that's bad is, is maybe not the right one. How if I would have had some more time, I could have polished this. I, I could have blended that weld better or, she looks at me every time and is like, it's beautiful. And my customers come up and they're like, it's the best I've ever seen. And I'm like, it's mediocre at best. <laughs> I think everybody has that problem. <laughs> it's a curse some days. It is. But it's the one I, you know. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's maybe it's a superpower. Like maybe it's not so bad. Maybe all that all that darkness, all that trauma, all the those things that we think are, are obstacles, 
maybe they're actually what drives us and gives us the superpower. Because I'm telling you right now, 90% of businesses fail. If ours don't, we are amazing. And the way that you, as an individual, serve your clients, the relationships that you've built, the jobs that you perform, the satisfaction that people get from using the things that you make, the way that you interact with your your employees. Are your employees better for working for you or worse? They're better off. They're going to be better people. That is a gift to the world that you get to give. And if you weren't doing it, the world would be a worse place. It'd be a worse place if we weren't doing what we're doing. Hey, man, that's hard hard stuff to deal with, but it's also hopeful. You know, maybe our idiosyncrasies, the things that, that, that we struggle with that drive us that, you know, oh, I could see the problem here. Oh, that's not straight. Oh, that's crooked. You know, my business partner, he could look up 40 feet in the air and see something that's a quarter inch off. He'd be like, man, maybe we should cut that out. You know, like <laughs> we're crazy. But that, that's our gift. It's literally <laughs> our gift. It's not a curse. It's a gift. And, um, you know, so, yeah, that was a good question. That was a good question. I appreciate that. Going out anywhere, uh, like with, with, with specializing in the handrail on stairs, going out anywhere is just, Oh, you poor man. Oh, my dude. And I just can't. I can't not. Yeah, I know. Like, like yeah, I was in the airport. I, I was in the airport <laughs> and I took pictures. So I, 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 I do it on both accounts. They had a beautiful set of stainless steel horizontal uh, railings in the airport. And they're intricate and they're bent and they're polished and they were absolutely beautiful. I stopped at like I was at the airport at 530 in the morning. I stopped and took pictures (laughs) of how beautiful this railing was. Nobody else even cares. Nobody else even cares. They put their gum on it. I was like, damn. Somebody did in like, in this area did a really good job, and then there's other yeah. ones, and there's so many other ones where I'm just like, yeah. oh my goodness, how how did yeah. you do this? How, how did you like, get through this? Who who said you intentionally made this poor? Who checked this box off as in like this is acceptable? <laughs> like and this you is got a paid for it. Million dollar building. How did they say yeah. yes? These porosity <laughs> holes in the polished stainless steel handrail, like are fine <laughs> what it's all good brother send obviously, it obviously no. they were behind on the schedule like because that's the only way you would ever say this is okay yeah. but yeah no i so think about it if you were behind on schedule you still wouldn't let that out you'd stay late yeah you'd make your guys stay late and you wouldn't even get into that situation because you hold a high standard and you yeah. don't just hold a high standard you keep people accountable to it and you don't just hold people accountable to it. You actually exhibit or exemplify the standard. They know that you wouldn't let it out. You're the standard. And that's the trick in your business. That's how you don't get to that point where you're letting garbage out the front. And that's if you stay with two guys or you get to 150 guys. Yeah. If you're setting the standard from the beginning, then holding people to the standard, and then when you they look up at you, you're doing the standard. You are the standard. Man, they're just going to keep doing it. You're leading correctly then. Um, but I find myself like I don't – I'm actually – it's funny. I don't look at anything anymore. 
in the real world. I do everything I can not to stare. I, I just can't do it. I used to. I'd be like, oh, my gosh, look at that. Oh, my gosh, look at that. I just quit. And now I still won't go on any – I will never go on a ride at a fair or most roller coasters because I know where they come from. And I, and I know who put them up. Like my uncle was a carny. Like I know how bad they are. Um, nothing against carnies. Please don't come after me. Uh, but anyway, like I, I won't ride on any like Ferris wheels or the tilt of worlds at the fair. Like I won't do that. But what I've what I've really stopped doing is, you know, every time a contractor comes on a job and they're coming in after somebody, they look at what the other guy did and they're like, oh, that's terrible. I can fix it. I never say that kind of stuff anymore. I never look at other people's welts on the job and like, look how bad this is. We can do so much better. I never denigrate other people's work. I just can't do it because I know that I'm not perfect and I've put out things and I know the reason why they came out the way they did. No one else does, but I know I'm not perfect at this. And so I can't look at what other people have done in the past when I wasn't there and say, this is a terrible weld. Well, it may objectively be a, a terrible weld, but subjectively, I don't know. Was it snowing that day? Was this, was this old lady getting on his case that day? Like, I don't know. Was he upside down? Was it in the mud? Was it raining? Like, I don't know. And so all yeah. I can do is my best moving, my best moving forward. And if you want me to go back through and fix some stuff, you just let me know and I'll do it. But I'm not going to talk crap on other people's work or other people. Just know that when you call me, you're getting the best that I can do. And if it's wrong, I'll make it right. Because we're all going to fail. The difference between failing well and failing just in general is are you it's, it's how you recover from it. so like i know for a fact that one day you're going to build a railing and it's going to be your fault and it's going to be wrong how do you recover from that do you say well my guys and oh they did this and you gave me the wrong print and oh, or do you say yep i i blew it let me fix it give me the opportunity to make it right well, aren't you going to complain about something that, nope. You know, my dad, he, he told me a story one time that he, uh, he put up some railing in this uh, parking lot. It's like an underground parking structure that you can get from a parking lot. And then there's an office building and the owner and the management team were on the top floor and they could look down at that structure that he built to get underground. And on the print, it said paint gray. And so he built this railing rail, he set it, did everything and it's gray job's done the owner calls it it's like hey that railing's supposed to be black my dad said oh huh now he got this message he wasn't talking to the guy the guy called him and left the message he's like oh so he looks at the print says on the print gray he calls his guys they were in the neighborhood he says go over there paint that railing black and call me when you're done 45 minutes later an hour later they call him hey handrail's done being painted it's black he calls the owner it says what are you, what's, what's, what's up, man? Everything okay? The owner goes, yeah, you painted my hand real gray. It's supposed to be black. I did. That's weird. Can you see it from where you are? He's like, no, go look. The guy goes to his office window and looks, hand rail's black. <laughs> he didn't complain. He didn't blame it on somebody else. He just fixed it. That's what we need to be doing. Like, he didn't put in a change order. Well, it's your fault. Dude, and you know what? That guy never balked at a price ever again for 20 years. <laughs> Just said, whatever you want. Like, I know this guy is going to take care of me. 
he's always going to do it right. Did that guy know he, he said gray instead of black? Who knows? Who cares? It doesn't matter who's right, who's wrong. Just make it right. Just make the stinking thing right. <laughs> and you'll wind up working for people who are awesome and they don't mind paying you. That's that. Yeah. Find those guys who just want you to solve the problem and just make it happen. Be that guy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, be that guy, man. Yeah, be that guy. Yeah. Don't don't be so proud and think you're the man. And, uh, you know, I've, I've worked in, in many different industries over the years, from sawmills to oil field, to concrete, excavating, construction, residential, commercial, industrial, all that. So I, I haven't done everything, but I've done a lot. And the people that are actually successful are humble. The people who are actually successful, they don't look successful. They are successful. The people who um, long-term are in the business and even if their company, like, again, I, my dad, his one company, his first company, uh, it went bankrupt. He went bankrupt. It didn't slow him down. He moved into another company and someone he had a relationship with was like, dude, you're awesome. I want you to work for me. I know you got a rough, rough break, but come work for me. And now he makes more money than he ever made for himself working for somebody else. He's been successful. He's made more money in the last 15 years of his career than he made in the last first 30. Yeah. You know? Because he built relationships, because he took care of people's problems, because he was humble, because when he failed, he fixed it. You know, those are the kind of people that you see that are really successful. They're humble. Um, they want to learn. They don't think they know what, what they don't know everything. And like contrast that to the stereotypical um, standard for a welder in our industry. It's pipeline pierce. It's driving a $200,000 brand new lifted pickup truck with an SA200 in the back, custom paint. You got no more tools than you need to run roundy round on this pipe. And when going gets tough, you say, I'm dragging up. Give me my check. And you leave. Like, and you're, you do drugs and you get divorced and you like strippers. Like, that's the standard in our industry. That is literally the standard in our industry that's being held up in all of social media, in all of culture, is saying that's the end-all, be-all of being a welder is to be a pipeline pierce who drags up at, at the slicing. They want you to wear a hard hat. It's like, I'm dragging up. And you lay under a piece of pipe and somebody hands you a welding rod. That's the that is the absolute gold standard of welding. When you look at the advertising for welding schools, they're like, you can make a hundred thousand dollars a year in the welding industry. All you have to do is be a traveling pipeline welder, dude. That is such a low standard, and there's so much more to this. And that is not true success. That is not how you wind up growing as a human being and developing things, being humble learning from your mistakes, doing what needs to be done. I've been on welding jobs where there's pipeliners and they're like, you call me when there's something well. And I'm up there running the 75 pound jackhammer in an 18 inch wide chute, chipping out frozen rocks 20 hours, 15 hours a day. And you know what? I still work for that client. And those guys didn't make it two days. 
but they were driving brand new trucks and I'm driving a, you know, my truck, I drive an 07 Kodiak, uh, Chevy Kodiak, you know, that I bought for 10 grand and it pays me the same every day, man. Yeah. I'm not cool. Everywhere I go, when I go out into the oil field, like I had an oil field job I got to go to, everyone was running a crew cab Dodge 4,500, 5,500, 3,500 with big welders in the back. And I'm driving my 07 Kodiak. When I go out onto these big asphalt jobs and quarries and pit mines, everybody's driving big Peterbilts with cranes and all this stuff. Drive my 07. Just is what it is, man. I just put my head down and get to work. And they keep calling me back. Yeah. And everybody that works for me just puts their head down and goes to work. And and the project manager is like, like we were doing a, a screw installation. And the owner of the company walked through. One of the owners of this, one of the largest construction companies in Pennsylvania. He walks through and he's very involved. He's a hands-on owner. He walks through and we had set this uh, this screw, a 70,000 pound wash screw. It's uh, huge. And uh, we set it and it built legs for it the whole night. And it's sitting there and we're just getting ready to move the conveyors to it and build new conveyors for it. And the ownership of the company walks by and goes, you know what? I hate conveyors. Why is that? Well, because a conveyor costs you money forever. You're always replacing belts, bearings, maintenance, grease, everything. So if we can reduce the amount of conveyors, that would be great. And he goes, why don't we move it five, six, seven, eight feet back? Then this conveyor can come into it, and we'll get rid of that secondary conveyor that you guys are going to put in. People went nuts. <laughs> they were like, you're kidding me. It's all set. You know what my guys and I did? We moved the stinking thing. It added two days. We got paid to move it. We had a good attitude the whole time. And at the end of it, we still met their deadline. And everyone was happy. And we got another six months of work out of the deal. Like, we didn't get sent home. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just shut up and move the thing. Yeah. And he writes the checks. Like, he owns this multi-billion dollar company. Yep. He flew in in a helicopter, for goodness sakes. If the guy wants to move his, his wash screw 10 feet, move his wash screw 10 feet. Do it with a smile on. Solve his problem. Yep. Absolutely. And let man. him know you solved it with a smile. Don't be like, I know what I'm doing. I can do this. I can do this. Nobody cares. Just nobody cares. Just do what you got to do. And if, they're, and if you do it like that, because I don't make a peep. I don't say, no, that's not going to work. Oh, that's not going to work. I solved the problem. Yeah. When I open my mouth and I tell somebody in the leadership, when I tell my project manager, when I tell a sub or a contractor, when I say, hey, that is not the way to go, they listen. Because I don't tell them that ever. I don't complain. I don't make a stink about little issues. I, I solve problems. Solution. Say, hey, this yeah. isn't going to well, work, but... Let's do it this way so that it will. Yeah. Yeah. And even if I don't have the solution, I come to them with a problem that's real. It's not like I don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Like if it's, you know, if I'm hanging a conveyor and it's got to get moved a foot over, I just move it. Yeah. But if I'm, if I'm looking at a system and I'm like, buddy, you need to get from there to there and you only have 50 feet on the ground. When I say that, I mean it. When I say well, we're not going up in that thing, I mean it, and they know I mean it because I never make a peep. I just make it happen. Yeah. So I don't even have to have a solution. Maybe I do, 
maybe I'm like, hey, listen, we can't put that set of steps up there. We got to turn it 90 degrees. Is that okay with you guys? But when I say something's wrong, they know I mean it. When I say we can't go that way, and I never say I can't. I say, hey, listen, you told us to go this way. I started down that road, and it looks like we're going to hit these obstacles. What do you think about it? Here's some things I think about it. That's how I make that conversation. That's how I make. That's how I approach that subject. Because they don't need any more problems. They don't need any more um, obstacles. They just they they know where we're going. So let's get there. Uh, but most of the guys in our trade are are pipeline piece pierces. Everything's someone else's fault. They they they're they're upset. They won't. If it rains two little drops on their poor little forehead, they're get, they're getting cabbed up and they're going home, like or they want their standby pay, like okay, but not in my world. Like I don't know, it's just a it's just a weird thing, and that's that kind of like weird attitude. Like, and I know people who named their uh, welding company, and I don't know the guy. I just saw it on Instagram, whatever. Named his company Drag Up Welding. So he set the expectation that I will quit anytime I get the chance because I'm a jerk. Like I know people who have on their welding helmets, drag up King. What? Like, really? You advertise that you're a quitter. Like that when it gets rough, when you get frustrated, you leave. And again, I can't, I can't play nice with those guys. I can't, and I'm not those guys. Like I'm not willing to go where they go and do what they do. So I can't yeah. criticize them too bad, but buddy, I don't know. We're, we're going two different ways. We're going two different ways. We're taking two different roads. Yeah. Um, and I, I wish all the best to those guys. They're going to stay busy, I guess, until they run out of relationships. And, yeah. You know, that's that. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you guys got a lot of value out of this with the hiring process of whether you're currently doing it now or you're looking to do it in the future. Check back next week for episode number five, the fifth and final episode with Daniel Perea. You can find him on Instagram at Daniel underscore Apex Welding. You can find me at JMW Fabrication. You can find the podcast at Welding Business Owners Podcast. And until next time, get out there, get it done, and get it invoiced.